Welcome to the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. I am your host, Steve Gordon. I'm here with my co-host, John Curry. And uh, John, excited to be here again. I think this is episode four for us. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about where we're going and, and looking forward to uh, all the different topics that we have to cover. Well, we've got several topics. I think we've got enough to keep us busy for several episodes here. Probably the next year, though, looking at the list. So uh, today we're going to talk about an important topic. Uh, we're going to talk about prospecting, probably going to touch upon the different methods of prospecting, including referrals. And uh, John, you you always have told me that there are two types of prospects and only two types of prospects. You want to elaborate that on a little bit on that? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, people you know and people you don't know. Two prospects. People you know and people you don't know. And if you don't know them, just find somebody that does know them and introduce you and voila, you know them too. That sounds really simple. It is very simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it's very simple. So as, as you're thinking about prospect, I know you've talked you've taught advisors all over the country how to approach prospecting. Um, if you're talking to a group of advisors, where do you begin the conversation around prospecting? Well, I'll just share an example of just this morning. I'm talking with a colleague. He's struggling a little bit and he says, what can I be doing differently to get in front of more people? I said, well, tell me what you're doing now. And we started identifying what he is involved in. He's very involved in his church. He's involved in some things with his children. I said, well, why wouldn't you start there? He said, oh, I, I would be very uncomfortable approaching people at church. I said, okay, so let's break that down. Why? It's fear. You're fearful that they're going to think that you're using your position with them just to make money, right? He goes, well, yeah, to be honest. That's okay. So how are you going to feel on the life insurance side, let's suppose two weeks from now, somebody you go to church with or in Sunday school with is killed in a car accident and you discover they had no life insurance or not enough and you never had the courage to talk to them. Does that feel very badly? I said, well, think about that every time you get this fear, help you fight through the fear. And we all deal with it because none of us want to be rejected. But I would start with identifying what I call your lifestyle. Where are you spending your time now? So, for example, for me, uh, things that I attend, rotary, regular basis, involved in Boy Scouts, not as much as in the past, but now my son's taken over that with the grandson. Uh, Economic Club of Florida, Capital Tiger Bay. So I know people in all of those areas. Now I may choose to approach them. I may choose not to. But where you spend your time and your money is a good indication that's where you should start. Sometimes I call it checkbook marketing. Who am I writing checks to? I want some of my money back. So let's do some business. But before we get done, I want to make sure we're clear on referrals too, because uh, you've done a fantastic job of helping people get more referrals. I want to make sure we talk about your book some and some of your concepts on referral getting too before we get out of here. Yeah, we absolutely uh, can do that. Um, You've been a master of of prospecting through observation. Correct. How, how do you do that? Well, what does I that call, mean? 
I call it personal observation. So again, I'll go back to all the activities that I go to. I go to them, number one, because I enjoy the group of people and what we're doing. So for me at this point in my life, the prospecting is secondary. I don't join anything unless I truly enjoy being there. I'm not going to join something just for prospecting because now it becomes work. But I'll give you a quick example of what just happened um, Monday night at the Tallahassee 100 Club that I attend. I was sitting next to this guy. He's a fairly uh, new member. We get to chatting. And we realize that we have a reason to talk business. So we're having breakfast. I think it's next Wednesday, I believe. So just by observation and having a conversation, then I'll determine whether or not it's somebody I want to follow up with. So first of all, um, I remember a quote attributed to Abraham Lincoln. He said, I do not like that man. I should get to know him. So just have a conversation with people. Just chat. And then wherever it goes, it goes. Well, it sound, again, it sounds so simple. And I know people get nervous about some of this stuff sometimes. I don't want to overblow that. I mean, sometimes you just got to kind of get out there and do it. But, I mean, th these blocks are real. I mean, they, they do prevent people from making progress. Um, and I think sometimes it's difficult to meet somebody in one of those sorts of situations and then – and then understand how, how do you pivot that into being able to talk business? So can you talk a little bit about how you, how you make that transition? You're sitting next to somebody having a good time at an event and then you move into talking about business. Yes. Here's how I do it. But first of all, let me confess. I also still have what psychologists call situational shyness. If I meet someone one-on-one -on -one or I go to a big group, Wait a second. I'm going to interrupt you there. Go ahead. I've known you for a long time. You're the furthest thing from shy I've ever seen. Well, believe it or not, if I go to a big function, and I've done this with you because you've now been to some meetings for a big group of people. True? We have. Now, what did you observe from me? I know to keep it simple, I'll tell everybody. You notice I try to get there early, right? So there's only a few people. Then as you come walking in the door, I'm shaking hands. So now it's almost like I'm the host. I do that for a reason, because if I walk in the room with 100 people, I'm uncomfortable. But if I see a few people, chit-chat, get comfortable, loosen up, now I feel like I own the place. I, I never knew why you did that, but you do that everywhere we go. I try to always do it. Now, sometimes I can't, but I always want to be, if not the first person in the room, hey, your event's down in Orlando. Pretty much every time I'm either the first or second person in the room. Yeah. So look, folks, <clears throat> let's just pause right there for a second. Um, because I've watched you do that, and I didn't know that it was because you felt uncomfortable walking into the room when there were 100 people in there. But I've always thought it was this brilliant approach to making sure everybody knew who you were and in a friendly way. Yes, it's almost like you took responsibility for being the host of the event, even if you were paying to be there. And I'll tell you something else, a little tip you can do. For those of you that have the same situation, a little bit of shyness or fear, if you get there and you see one, someone off to the side, male or female, doesn't matter, and they're uncomfortable, walk over and make them feel comfortable. Go over and introduce yourself because most people in that situation have the same fear. I don't know these people. 
You know, what if I say something to embarrass myself? You know, what if I do something improper? We're human beings, and we're worried about looking foolish and looking stupid and saying something stupid. So make it easy for them, too. And guess what? You'll have a good friend. You'll have a friend. But the transition, I use the word form. I learned this way back in the 80s from friends who were in the Amway business. And form is family, occupation, recreation, and meetings. So use this as a way to identify people that you want to meet with, but also have a conversation. So may I, will you role play with me? Absolutely. So you and I are at maybe, um, maybe we are at a chamber of commerce meeting and we meet each other and we're sitting next to each other. We're kind of trapped. I might say something like, Steve, tell me a little bit more about your occupation. You're with the chamber of commerce. What do you do for a living? So I, I help, professional service folks and, and experts get clients. What is it you do for them? Well, we, uh, we help them develop a marketing strategy. We help them really hone their message and we help them create a, a platform so it's easy for them to follow up. And, and we do that by creating a podcast for them. So really what you're saying is you help them make money. Absolutely. So now we've hit two things, occupation and money already, haven't we? Yeah. Now, how difficult will it be now to make a transition if you're helping people make money? So you've already told me, number one, if you're at the Chamber of Commerce, you're there to do commerce. <laughs> so what I'm going to say is, Steve, you know what? It just occurred to me. <clears throat> We're in a similar situation. I help people with their money issues and you're helping people make money. We should sit down and visit and see, number one, if we can help our mutual clients. But also maybe you could help me. Maybe I could help you. Are you open to that? Sure. And if somebody gives me any pushback, I said, wait a minute. We are at a chamber of commerce function. Shouldn't we try to do some? They'll say, <laughs> they'll say somewhat. I said, commerce, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like being straight and to the point. Why not? Now, exactly. now, yeah. now family and recreation. So here's where this goes. I'm not going to start with family unless we're at some function where let's say our kids are playing ball together, then I might say go to family, but I'm probably going to go from occupation to money. In this case, you made it easy, but it, let's say, suppose occupation then I might say, wow, sounds like you're a very busy guy. What do you do for fun? What do you do for recreation? What am I looking for? I'm looking for some common interests. Let's suppose you tell me you play golf. You love playing golf. Hey, uh, I'm part of a, a group of guys who enjoy cigars at a cigar social. We go to cigar dinners. I'm looking, I love the bass fish. I'm looking for some common ground, so I'm looking for. Oh, really? I, I love, I, I smoke cigars. What's your favorite brand? You know, I'm part of a wine tasting group. I, I don't care what it is. Now, I'm not going to fake it, though. If I don't like that activity, I'm not going to say I do. I got embarrassed one time. My personal position, my good buddy Bill Kepper one time made a comment about playing tennis. I said, boy, I'd love to play tennis. He said, well, how about joining me Sunday? So this is the middle of the week. So I had to rush out and buy a, a racket. I'd never <laughs> played before. So I'm looking like an idiot. He says, John, how long have you been playing tennis? And I said, well, about 10 minutes now. He said, it shows. <laughs> so I learned, don't make it. I hope you had a sense of humor about it. He, he did, and I did, but I'll tell you what. Since that day, I was so embarrassed, Steve. I said, if I don't, if I don't do what you say you do, I'm not going to tell you. I might say something like this. Wow, I've never done that. 
I've always had an interest in learning. Maybe, maybe you can teach me sometime. But I'm not going to say I do something when I don't because you will get embarrassed. <laughs> so <laughs> all of the things you're talking, it's so funny how often our, our thinking is, is in sync. Um, so I don't know if I've shared this with you. This, I, I know I've told you a little bit about the book, but as we're recording this um, a few days ago, we just had the kind of mini launch for my, my new book, The Follow-Up Formula. And um, in there, I talk about the same idea of, of sort of gathering information about the people you want to do business with. And I call it context. Uh, but you're talking about the same idea that, and, and the reason that I, having that context is so important is it gives you a reason to open up and a way to open up a conversation in the future. You're sort of laying the groundwork for further development of that relationship. And I think a lot of times people skip over this step because they're too focused on trying to make a sale. I agree totally, but I, th I think there's something bigger than that. If, if people can overcome worrying about getting business and just enjoy the person you're with, guess what happens then? You have a true natural bond or you don't. And if you don't, it's okay. You, know, you don't waste any more time, you move on. But if you just forget about trying to go prospect and just enjoy the people you're around, you'll be shocked at how many people will say, you know, I've enjoyed our conversation. Maybe we should have lunch one day. And if they don't, you do it. But it's amazing. I, I watch guys at these, quote, networking events. I rarely go to them now. I like the chamber. I haven't been to one in years. But I forget what they even call them now um, at the chamber. But anyway, if I go to a reception for the 100 Club or reception for the Economic Club, uh, Tiger Bay Club, is political. So I'll just chit-chat with people. I want to meet new people. But I don't feel any pressure, none, to have to do business there. In, in fact, if anything, I will jot their name down in my little book that I always have in my pocket. You see me carry around, and I'll follow up later. Uh, but if you're trying to make a sale every time you see somebody, you're going to turn them off and run them off. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, this is all, I think, really practical and, and powerful stuff. Um, and, you know, with, with everything, for everybody listening, the, the challenge is actually putting it into practice. You've got to be aware in, in the situations where you can create these sorts of relationships to, to take these ideas and apply them. That's, a, you know, it's always the, the challenge. And um, I will tell you from, John, from observing you, you have a very easy time. You know, I know you said earlier you're sort of situationally shy, but you have a very easy time creating these relationships. And I'm sure some of that's practice, um, but I would imagine some of it's the fact that what you just described is really a, a system, a really repeatable, easy to do method for creating these relationships. And the more you do it, the easier it gets and the better you get at it. Well, you're correct. And, and use the same word form again. So you and I finished doing business and I want to ask you for referrals now. Steve, among your family members, who are the people that could really use my services? Brother, sister, mother, father, in-laws. You, you, you can come up with 10 or 15 potential referrals right there in your work, in your line of work. You know, when you were engineer doing all the work you did there. Who are the people that you work with in your firm that could use help? Who are people outside of your firm that you care about? Maybe even a friendly competitor. 
when you go play golf, even though you're one of those old gators, you know, from University of Florida, you go play golf, you know, who, who amongst those gators could use help? You know, the meetings you attend, I know that you're involved in the Chamber of Commerce or whatever. I mean, you, you can sit down just with those four little letters, L-O-R-M, and come up with more names than you possibly have time to deal with. Yeah, and, and in just a matter of minutes. Yes. Yes. But we make it difficult because we're, we're looking for that silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. You just need four little words to help guide you. Because see, if I walk into that room and I'm shy, guess what's on your forehead? F-O-R-M. That's mm -hmm. what I see. So depending upon where we are, chamber function, I'm going to talk about occupation. If we are playing golf, and we'll talk about recreation. I see you enjoy playing golf. You know, what else do you do for fun? You know, then I'll switch it over to, well, when you're not playing golf, what do you do to make money to be able to afford to play golf? So I, I have fun with it. I just, I mean, I, I'm just weird. I, that's all I can say. I'm just, <laughs> I just have fun with it. I always have all of my career. Well, I, I think that's a key is, is figuring out how to build these relationships and have fun at the same time. Um, and... One of the things that I've discovered along the way that makes it easier for me is just to go into it with the idea that I'm really just out there meeting people. Now, I'm going to do it strategically. I'm going to put myself around the right kind of people that I'm, you know, they're, they're likely to be people I could do business with. But my primary objective is to meet the person. And then the, the business may or may not flow from there. Um, you know, I always like to think of it in terms of, of value. So if I'm meeting this person, um, I, D Dan Sullivan gave me this idea. He gave me this thought that, you know, he said he always approaches it as if he's number 20 in priority on their list of, of people that, that they think about. So he's not number one. He's not number two. He's not number 10. He's 20. And, um, and when I heard that, I'm like, okay, that's a great thought to have in mind. Like I'm going to show up now in somebody's life. I'm way down on their list. Um, and so if this is somebody that I want to connect with and develop a deeper relationship with ultimately build enough trust and respect and relationship to do business, I've got to earn my way up the list. Yes. And the way that I do that is I bring value to them. And there are any number of ways that I can do that, but, but that's what I've got to be focused on. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because I see guys in my firm that are struggling and they, their attitude is as soon as they meet you at a function, they think that you should be jumping through hoops and jumping over hurdles to want to see them and give them your money. And I was, are you kidding me? They don't even know you. They don't think they can trust you. They don't know if they like you yet. So why would you do that? So what I teach guys in our firm is, once you come back to the office, do something that no one does anymore. Take out a note card and say, Steve, it was a pleasure chatting with you at the chamber breakfast this morning. I have an article I thought you might enjoy. Best wishes, John. P.S. Call me if I can be of service. Don't even ask for an appointment. Just send it. And you know what? How many people take the time to write a little note? Can Person. you see what I'm holding up here? I can see it. So I, on my desk, I keep, I just got a new shipment of them in. I keep little cards. It's, it, it literally is like a three by five card, but I have printed 
on the top, you know, from the desk of Steve Gordon, I've got my, uh, my direct phone line and, and my email at the bottom and that's it. And I find that because I've got them here, then I can just grab them and I've got envelopes that, have got, you know, return address and all that ready to go that I can act on that. Now, if I run out, I won't do anything. You got the same thing. You're holding it up right there. But, uh, but there's one more thing. Look what's on mine on this one, though. What else do you see? You've got your picture. You've got a picture of your book. You've got about a page and a half worth of <laughs> disclosures. No, it's just a little tiny bit. At the I bottom. know. I'm just teasing. But see, then I have even the sticky note pads, mm -hmm. four by six inches. And I might just stick that on an article. But see, what's happened is, and I'm impressed that you have that because you're being Mr. Technology guy that you are, Mr. Digital World. I'm surprised you do anything other than uh, digital these days. Oh, no. I, I I'm, think I'm, offline, I'm, being, I'm being facetious. You know that. I'm having fun. <laughs> I think the offline stuff is far more impactful. Yes, I, I think that's a big mistake. In fact, I was just, uh, I told you earlier that, uh, you know, we're recording this on a Friday. This is my podcast day. So I've been interviewed on some other podcasts. We're doing this one. I've done a bunch of interviews for ours. And just before we got on, I'd finished up an interview for ours. First thing that, that happened in that interview, when, I, when we connected, the guy said, oh, and thank you so much for the box that you sent me in the mail. And so we send them a gift, um, you know, just for being a guest. We try and do little things like that that happen offline. And my whole goal, and, and we could talk a little bit about uh, book in this, because you mentioned sending these notes. One of the reasons to have a book um, is so that you can send it along. And we can, and, and let's tie this in in a second to referrals. One of the reasons I like books so much, or other things that, that you can send that are helpful, but that aren't likely to get thrown away, um, is that you can then own real estate, literally own a piece of real estate in that prospect's world. Right. How valuable is that? Well, explain what you mean by it, because some people are not going to know what you mean by owning some real estate. I'm meaning literally you have bought real estate on their desk mm -hmm. or on their bookshelf or on their credenza. And so when I send a book to somebody, they are not throwing it away. It's taboo in our society to throw a book away for the most part. Now some get thrown away, but by and large, it's, it's a taboo thing to throw a book away. So people will hold on to those, even if they're not that interested in it. And there you sit, your name's there on the spine and maybe your picture's on the cover. What I find is that, you know, when I talk to people, um, I had a, a client who told me he finally, he bought the book. Uh, in this case, he actually bought it. We didn't send it to him but he bought the book and it sat on his nightstand for like two and a half years. So every night when he went to bed, <laughs> now I'm not sure if that was good or bad, but ultimately he became a client and paid us a lot of money. Gordon, uh, I love you, but there's no damn way that you're going to be on my nightstand <laughs> one night, much less two and a half years. But I, look, I, I don't know that I, I'm, I, Lord knows what that book saw, but, um, but you get my point though. Yes. He had to look at me every day and be reminded that he had a problem that he knew he had and he thought I had a solution. So he bought that book 
And it sat there reminding him that that problem hadn't been solved. That's what I mean by owning, literally owning, I owned that real estate, that little tiny five and a half by eight and a half section of his nightstand in his world. Yes. But it's also a, a tad bigger than that. Everyone, if he has it in his office, if it's on his desk or the bookcase, everyone who comes in that office has the potential to see that book also mm-hmm. and ask about it. And the more people who ask, hey, who's Steve Gordon? What's up with this book? Who's John Curry? What's up with this book? Well, he does, you know, to, it's called Preparing for Secure Retirement. Well, I need that. How do I get a copy of that? Well, you know, here, take this copy, or they give it away, or here, here's his information, call me. It's just another opportunity. And if and folks listening to this, if you don't have a book, go buy some books that somebody else has written along the topic that you know they have an interest in. Maybe it's on Social Security. Maybe it's on Medicare. Maybe it's on uh, what to do with your time in retirement. Just I'm constantly buying books, and I find them for 5 or $10 a piece at a bargain book sale. I just go buy a bunch of them and identify people I want to send them to. I buy the books first, and so okay, I might be able to use that or hand it to someone. Yeah, and um – I mean, those are, that's useful. I, I think what we ought to do, John, we ought to do an episode on how to create a book really quickly. Uh, good, good idea. I, I wrote my first book in 30 days, and I wrote the second one in eight hours. And so I think I've cracked the code on how to do this really quickly, even if you're not, uh, you, know, you don't feel like you're a great writer. We can talk a little bit about that. So I, I want one done. I need two more books done, but I want them done in eight minutes. So take care of that for me and send me the bill. Okay, the bill's going to be big, but <laughs> as long as you're okay with that, anything can happen. I didn't say I was going to pay it. I just said send me the bill. I'll send you the bill, and when you pay it, we'll get your eight-minute book done. Oh, okay. Hey, folks, get paid up front. Get paid up front. Um, so let, let's talk for a minute about how to use that book in in a unique way to get referrals. Um, and, and this is actually a topic that um, that, that I've been studying for I don't know, probably about six or seven years now. And about five years ago, I wrote a book. Once we kind of figured out how to uh, engineer this process, I wrote a book about the process that we use. And let me jump in for a minute because you're not going to, you're, you're not going to say something that I want you to say. First, okay. of, all, first of all, folks, what you're about to hear is a master level way of prospecting. And I will tell you, I have been, in business, my 45th year, I've known Steve about 11 or 12 years. So I was pretty good at this stuff before he ever came into my life. But some of the things that I picked up from Steve, from how he's using the book and other things, have helped me go to another level quickly. So you want to listen very carefully to what he's about to share with you. So back to you, Steve. So one of the things – so in, in 2012, I um, – over the summer of 2012, I partnered with a friend here locally. We did um, about a half a dozen workshops for business owners on referral marketing. And um, we had about 300 business owners total come through those workshops. And we taught kind of the conventional wisdom on referrals, which if you read all of the books that have been out there for a while, really boils down to two things. Ask every client at every interaction. So you ask all the time 
And then once you get that referral, you follow up like mad until they buy or die. And that's great advice. Um, it works. And I, I've used it for years, you know, but I went back to 20 of those people about six months later, cause I wanted to create some case studies and John, uh, and you were, I think you were uh, at one of those workshops. I was actually at two of them. Yeah. And, and so I went back to uh, about 20 of the people who had attended and asked them, okay, well, so what's happened in the six months that, you know, you've been using this stuff and they'd all kind of sheepishly look at me. And what I found out was none of them had done anything. Right. So they recognized that they had this problem. They weren't, you know, they had no control over their referral process and they saw the stuff that we taught them and said, this is really great. This is what I need. But when it came to actually putting it into practice, there was a disconnect. They didn't do it. As I started asking questions and trying to understand, well, what, what in the world is this? Because I'm a big believer. If you, you know, if you've got a patient that's got a, 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 a disease, a pain, and you provide a cure or you write a prescription and they don't fill the prescription, then there's no cure delivered. And I, that frustrated me a little bit. So I asked questions. What I found out, John, was that there's a fundamental block for most people, not all, but, but for most, they are reluctant to ask a client, someone with whom they've got a really valuable relationship they're sometimes reluctant to ask them for referrals. They feel a little bit uncomfortable about it. And maybe they feel like they're going to the well yet again to take value from the relationship. And I started thinking about that and thinking about how we could uh, kind of reverse engineer a different process. And you and I are both students of direct response marketing. And with direct response marketing, there's this thing called two-step lead generation where you start with something that's, before the sale. And oftentimes it's an information piece. Maybe it's a book or a report or a webinar or a seminar. And you offer that to someone as a first step. And the purpose is to see who's, who's got interest, who the real prospects are. And I thought, well, huh, we could do that with referrals. And so we came up with this technique of using what we call a referral kit. And the referral kit is really just taking some information that addresses the problem that the, the prospect feels that they have. It's got to start with the problem. It can't start with, Hey, we're the greatest advisor in the world. And if you give us your money, we're going to give you a 10 X return. Not that you could say that legally anyway, but it's got to be about them and the problem that they have. And it's got to explain to them the consequences of not dealing with that problem because you've got to give them like what this is really worth to them. Why, it, why it should be meaningful. And then you've got to give them a little bit of a peek at the solution. You don't have to give them the whole solution, but at least a, a window to see here is what's possible and there is a path to a better future for you. Um, and then at the end of that, tell them how to get in touch with you and meet with you. And when you package that information up, you do something pretty powerful now for your clients and for your, your referral partners. You now remove all of the risk of referring you because before all the risk was on the client. If they refer somebody and it doesn't work out well for whatever reason, even if it's of no fault of yours, they are going to have reputational damage in their lives. And that risk is often too much for them yeah. 
to, to wager against referring somebody to you. And so they don't. So you have people that want to help you, but you're making it too hard for them to help you. So John, what we found when we would have our clients switch and try this process with the referral kit is that now the risk was gone. You know, when was the last time you got upset when somebody gave you a book, even if you didn't think the, the book was particularly interesting? Were you mad at them? Well, uh, a friend gave me a book one time when I weighed 284 pounds about why I need to lose weight. I thought, so you're calling me fat? And he goes, well, you are fat. And I said, okay, you win. Give me the damn book. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but they Barring that, no. In fact, appreciative. Thank you very much for giving me the book. Thank you for caring enough. That's what you're going to hear. That's what I hear. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to just be a book. So one of the things we found was that saying, well, you got to do it with a book prevented a lot of people from using the strategy. The book is sort of the gold standard, but you can do it with a seminar or a lunch and learn. I see. Many, many years before I had the book, I did audio CDs. I would just record something and hand it to people and people like that. It could be a CD, DVD, a book, a flyer, a brochure, or a shook, a little short book. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's got valuable information in it that addresses a problem that the prospect has, now it becomes something that, that your clients can share, and they can share it far and wide. So they can give it to everybody they know if they choose to. Or instead of them hemming and hawing and really stressing about giving you one referral, they can go give it to 10 people because there's no risk for them. And, um, and one of the things that I think you've got to get through your head when you start to think about referrals is get away from believing that a referral is a pre-sold prospect ready to buy. And that's the only kind of good referral there is. If you be, if you think in terms of sort of a funnel, you know, there's top of the funnel and they're, you know, the top of the funnel people um, aren't quite ready to buy yet, but they're getting to know you and all that. That's really where, you want the bulk of your referrals to come because you want to be able to control the process of educating that prospect, not have your clients do it. They're not going to do a very good job of it. And so really what we're talking about is enabling the clients to do the one part of the referral process that only they can do, which is to put you in front of that person with a real easy way to do it with information. Then as those leads who are interested come to you, now you do the parts that you really need to do, which is to educate that prospect on the solution that you provide, the problem they have, the consequences, all of that stuff, taking them all through a sales process. You don't want your clients doing that. They're going to do a terrible job. I, I know somewhere along the way in these episodes, we'll talk more about uh, using podcasts for marketing to and prospecting. One of the things we're doing more now, we're creating postcards to mail out to people driving them to listen to a particular podcast. And what is, what's funny, what's happened with it, the last time we did it was in uh, May with a, in a newsletter telling people about a particular podcast. Well, they go to it, they see other topics. So what's happening now is they're seeing that uh, there's 37 of them now that have been produced and are out there. So they'll say, well, I went to hear this one, but boy, I sure enjoyed this other one. So when they start telling you that, you know they're consuming your content. Yeah, and that and that's really critical. So I, I know we've we've run a little bit long on this episode, John. Any final thoughts on on prospecting? Uh, just one, and that is there are different ways to prospect. 
there are people out there who make a good living doing good old fashioned cold calling to just pick up a list of people and they call cold. I've never been good at that. Don't want to get good at that. But if that works for you, then do it. There are other people who still calling on business owners, just walk up, walk into a business and ask for the owner of the business or the manager. Some people do direct mail. I have done a lot of business doing direct mail during my career. Same thing with emails. Here's a short answer. Find one, two, maybe three things that you want to do. For me, we talked about this last time. I like, I love postcards because they're quick and easy. It doesn't take a lot of time on my part to write something. I can write enough for a postcard. Okay, it doesn't take a lot of time. Uh, I really prefer talking, so I prefer CDs. Drive them to the, uh, excuse me, a CD or a audio that they can give us like a podcast. But the short answer is find something that is easy that you will do over and over and over and just, you know, keep doing it. Make it autopilot. Absolutely. That's the key. I, I think that's that's probably the best advice in all of this. So, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, John, always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. And uh, what, what should we tackle next? Where do we want to go next? I think we all talk about presentations because so now that you got the prospect, that's great. Now what are you going to say to them? Yeah, let's, <laughs> that'll be the next episode. Folks, we'll, we'll be back in a, a week with that episode. Tune in for that. And um, I really encourage you to go to advisorinnercircle.com. Um, put in your email address so that you can get an email from us every time we release a new episode. Um, you'll, that way you'll stay up to date with them and subscribe to the podcast in whatever your favorite podcast uh, tool is. Uh, you, know, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher. We'll, we'll be on Spotify here soon. So go and subscribe. And one thing, just as a reminder, I hope I say this every time, be very careful that whatever you're using, that you go through your proper compliance channels and do what's right and don't get in trouble. Talk to you next time. 